stars of animation are shining. It's time to stay tuned. And now, here's your host, Phil Mackey. Welcome back, tuners. As always, we're here to uncover the behind-the-scenes stories of the animation industry. Tonight's special guest is Joe Rothenberg, an award-winning filmmaker and animator. Joe is the creator of two Nickelodeon-affiliated productions: Sticky the Stick and Gumwad Island. He is an alumnus of the University of Southern California and has gone on to create dozens of animated commercial productions. Joe Rothenberg is ready to share the secrets behind Gumwad Island, including its protagonists Oyster Maid and Water Melvin, in just a few moments. But first, this. <gasps> Look, Oyster Maid! There it is! The real grand old Gumwad Island Library! <laughs> Joe Rothenberg, welcome to Stay Tuned. Thank you, Phil. I'm very happy to be here. Hey, we've been trying to make this happen for a long time now, haven't yeah. we? Yeah, I feel like we've recorded several podcasts without <laughs> any microphone on. So, Joe, you are my very first guest that I get to have in person, mm -hmm. which is really exciting for me because um, so far every interview I've conducted has been over some sort of video conference or phone call, and you are an independent animator who lives in Austin, Texas, right? That's right. That's me. And you did that by choice. You didn't want to... <laughs> you didn't want to... <laughs> it was not forced. You didn't want to live in L.A. or... I liked L.A. Um, I was out there for school, and then I stayed out in Burbank for a few years. Oh, great. Um, and it was great. I think the tipping point was working with Nickelodeon, and which was seven minutes away from where I lived, but working with the New York department, so I was still on phone calls with them anyway, and I was like, why am I living here where it's very expensive? You know, my family is in Austin. Oh, awesome. So you wanted to be closer to family and live somewhere less expensive. And why was Austin showing up on the list besides that? Well, it's like right now there's there's just a lot going on in Austin, right? Like, like that's no secret. Like, everybody like this knows. show. Yeah, stay tuned is drawing in multitudes. Oh, man. The, the staff that you're a supporting. Cast of thousands. <laughs> But yeah, okay, so so Austin was showing up as, as uh, a hotbed for activity. Yeah. I kind of wanted to get my own place, and that was a lot more feasible in Austin than L.A. And Although that is quickly right. starting we're, to change. It feels like we're kind of like turning into mini LA. LA yeah mini LA and like yeah. a lot a lot of that is like actually people from LA moving here and it's changing the landscape changing is rapidly. changing yeah yeah you already had some ties to Nickelodeon right is that how your original concept uh, of oyster made came to be or was it already happening when you were in LA and you just came here to live that was all done when I was in Burbank so we, we kind of wrapped that and then after that I was thinking okay I obviously don't have to be here to do what I'm doing. Oh, that's interesting because yeah. that's quite yeah. the opposite of what people tend to say is we go where the action is. Right. Well, and, and, and you know, I, what, what I was doing, what I am doing is not working for a studio, you know, as an employee or anything. It's, it's all been contract work. So, okay. 
as an independent contractor, I was like, okay, well, I'm just having phone calls with people anyway. I could fly in if I need to, but sure. I think there is some truth to if you want to work at the studios, there's not as many like opportunities to do that remotely. Would you rather work for the studio or do you like being an independent contractor? I really like being independent. I've been an independent freelancer for close to a decade now. But I'm at, a, I'm at a point now where I'm thinking of the human aspects of life, like well, as like, a, like being around other people. As a as a robot, <laughs> as a robot, I have to say I'm vehemently against thinking about humanity. Uh, I like to think about robot life personally. Um, <laughs> yeah, no, I, uh, yeah, I can I can see right through you, Phil. I can see the bolts. Yeah, I know it's, <laughs> the gears are working and the hamster fell you, off the you, wheel. You will probably know what I mean is someone who has worked for large corporations and yeah. gone out stri- stricken out on your own. Yeah, when you're on your own, you have to be very active in keeping yourself social and out there. You can like oh. become a hermit so fast. Oh, I've gotten the space madness. Yeah, it's, it's, it's absolutely <laughs> happened to me. <laughs> Right. I've had cabin fever. That's a great way to put it, though. Oh, yeah. Because, like, yeah, yeah you, can, <laughs> you can end up, like, eating spaceman food, you know, frozen dinners and things. And just That's like, very you know, true. You're only talking to people through microphones. And, yes. Yeah. So Oyster Maid, where, okay, like, yeah. where, like, really, where was, what was the impetus of you wanting to make that character? And, I mean, because it's such a, yeah. I remember when I saw the cartoon, I was just like, what? It almost looks like someone took a dartboard of concepts <laughs> and they were like, um, mermaids, but oysters. <laughs> like, uh, that's what yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Island in a bottle. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, that's a great, that's a great question. So the like, short is called Gumwad Island. We ended up naming it after the location. Um, okay, Gumwad um, Island. Is, Gumwad is, Island. That's the name I, of I the cartoon. That's the name of the cartoon. I think okay. in part because oyster made, as I realized, is such a weird word that people don't... <laughs> People think Oyster Man. Because right, Gumwad like, is completely yeah, Gumwad normal. is better. Yeah. At least that's a word you'll find in the dictionary. Gumwad Sea Oyster Man. <laughs> There's this island that formed because like someone spat out a wad of gum into a <laughs> bottle and threw it into the ocean, uh-huh. and all this like flotsam and jetsam went into the bottle, and and it's like there's something with the bottle that's magic. Okay. Or whatever. Okay. And stuff that goes in the bottle changes size. The The island has, like, trees and coconuts and sand and stuff. But okay. it also has, like, giant bits of, like, trash. And there might be a, a beautiful waterfall pond, but it's, like, actually, like, inside a bucket if you look carefully and things. That, that was, like, the idea I had was, like, oh. everything looks like natural formation, but if you look harder, you'll see that there's, like... Pencils in with the trees and like oh, stuff okay. like that, and but none it, of that got explained in the short that was released. No, there was so little time. Like we, I okay. wanted to do maybe like a musical intro or something and explain that it was oh, going to yeah. be this big old animated thing where like every, you watched everything get sucked into the bottle and then there's like ah. there's like a, a tribe of tiny elephants on the island that we didn't get to and stuff oh, like, wow. like a lot of stuff and there's a lot with scale and so that way I thought everything could be kind of fun and different like yeah in, in, in a very simple way. So like and then how. We got to that was a totally different journey. Okay. I have to go back to the very beginning of my relationship with uh, Nickelodeon. Okay. And forgive me, by the way, so in, in my mind, some words are just like mixed up. So sometimes I, w- I say Nintendo or Nickelodeon. They like me. <laughs> back when I worked for Nintendo. <laughs> I, I, I like felt my brain almost doing that. You hear like a, like, like you walk in and it's like, woohoo, <laughs> let's go. 
Yeah, Mario <laughs> runs Nintendo. Right, yeah. yeah. The, Mario runs runs <laughs> Nickelodeon. You're like, what's happening in this place? Why is there an Italian plumber in charge of an animation studio? I don't understand this. Anyway, yeah. well, 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 I'll I'll try to finish. Back this when you thought. started, yes. Back so where this started was I had pitched to Frederator. Someone there uh, who who liked my pitch went on to work at Nickelodeon and kind of remembered me and invited me to pitch there. So I was pitching stuff to Nickelodeon. None of it was really getting by. We were having a lot of fun in the pitch meetings and things, but there's you know nothing was quite right. And then I I released a game on the App Store called Nerdy Workout. No, a game that you programmed. Yes. And made the artwork. Yes. Like you did all I of made the... the game. That's huge because <laughs> games usually are a collaborative effort. Yeah. Well, it gets better is a question mark. <laughs> I, I made this game to test and see if I could do it because a client was interested in seeing if I could make a game. So I made this as a test game in a week. And, oh. I, and it was a week from conception to release. But it wasn't a week conception. <laughs> Sorry. I made this game on a lark. It got featured on the App Store totally random i haven't been able to recapture this magic since in future games but like so that caught nickelodeon's attention but it was their like interactive division and so mm-hmm. so it's like they they were like okay so we've got this this animator kid who also makes games it's kind of what we want to do we want to do something multimedia mm-hmm. so, so that division reached out to me and they're like do a, a five pitch deal with us and we'll pick one of those and we'll develop it and they were like give us a, a plate of Things to a buffet of things to right. choose from. A smorgasbord. We'll, a smorgasbord. Yeah, we'll curate that and re- to help you develop that down to something that we want. And, and and the goal at that time was a pitch that would have an interactive portion. So I was supposed to pitch how these would turn into games as well. But they didn't give you any. They didn't say like we're looking for a buddy cop series or we want to have a robot fighting show or not strictly. Okay, I, I think. The way it was when I was working with them and, and, you know, with the people I was working with and the circumstances I was working with, you know, mm. so I don't think this is universal no. by any means, but they were a, a mix of, of hands-on and hands-off where they didn't really want to direct me too much because I think they didn't want to limit me. Oh. But they were, I think, trying to push it toward a vision or or like something that felt Nickelodeon. Did they give you parameters of what they felt like Nickelodeon represented? Well, they, they, we knew that the, the demographic was chiefly like six to 11 year old boys. Their experience is like, it's more difficult to get girls of that age to watch cartoons. They try it a lot. But it it seems like there it's a different thing. So I I, hmm. I didn't get the impression that Nickelodeon is not trying to appeal to girls, and I, I think they do have shows that do, but that they sure. they have a tougher time of it. It ended up that they had picked this this mermaid idea, and they asked me if I wanted to change it to a boy character to make it appeal more to boys. And it's like it's already weird enough that it's an oyster maid. We 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 don't need to confuse make it a merman further. Yeah yeah yeah. And oyster man, I, I don't know. Oyster man sounds like a superhero, right? Yeah, it's like not a very like good superhero. Yeah, yeah, Powder <laughs> Toast Man. I, I don't know. I don't know what that reference is. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> they weren't really going for anything in particular, but the one thing they liked there was a pitch I was doing called Fresh Tastic Farms about a, a farm of genetically modified fruits and vegetables who were like, of course, sentient and yes. like they they were running the place, but they weren't quite aware that the non-sentient fruits and vegetables that, uh, that were their relatives but not sentient that they were sending out were going to get eaten. It was really weird. I don't know why I was like trying to go that dark. I can't imagine why that didn't get picked up. 
<laughs> but it, it had a lot of fun characters that I liked with names like Straw Becky was a strawberry and oh. Water Melvin. Oh, Ooh. so they ended up as a... So they pulled two of your concepts and said, can you combine these? W- well, I had just drawn on a sticky note, a banana maid. It was a, a banana, banana maid. Banana maid. A mermaid. In a banana peel. Inside of a banana peel. And, and it was going to be fun because she could close up the banana peel and open it. She had a little banana on her head and like... Oh. It was just a doodle. It wasn't even a character or anything. It kind of reminds me of Strawberry Shortcake. Oh, yeah, yeah. The old... It was like had a doll line or something yeah. with it. Okay, yeah, but yeah. I, but all the characters were like... A lot of them, not all of them, but a lot of them were female and they all had something to do with a food. Mm-hmm. And then the toy line, you would... Like you could scratch and sniff. So hmm. like she would smell like strawberries. Or smell like a banana. <laughs> she smell like a banana. No, I think I'm sure that would be a thing. Yeah, oyster maid could smell like, like, like <laughs> oyster maid could smell like the sea, and and, and no one would buy it. <laughs> mm, salt. Oh yeah, <laughs> that's gross. That's the reason why. Why is the better scratch? Yeah, yeah. Why is no one buying our our ocean scented products? I can't imagine why. Anyway, That's so it gross. was it was banana made, and yeah. they're like, we love this character, but we already have a banana on another show, and I, I was frustrated because it was like the one thing you picked was <laughs> banana made, and, right. and you're like, don't make her a banana. Like, yeah. what am I gonna do? We like this character here. We want you, however, <laughs> to change uh, everything about her. <laughs> right, make her a boy. Make, make her, her a boy. Her. Get rid of the so, banana. So, what do you like about her exactly? <laughs> right. Right. You like the fact that she lives in the ocean. We're back to the o- <laughs> right. back to the ocean theme, man. Right. Which always has made the show feel a little bit derivative of SpongeBob. I was I think, just going to say that. It's not really where I was coming from at all. Right. Like, but it, it is where it kind of ended up. And I love SpongeBob. Like, yeah. Like, so that was going to be an influence no matter what. Cause sure. That's that's one of my favorite shows. You know, growing up, that was the show I looked forward to every every weekend. And I was racking my brains, and I tried everything. I tried like Lobster Maid and Hammer Maid, anything that sounded like an intentional Lobster Maid doesn't sound too bad. Yeah, she has lobster claws. Like, like there wasn't that much. Like, like and, and hammer made. I don't even remember what that was. Like, I tried everything. And it then, sounds like someone who's a reject from Home Depot. <laughs> <laughs> like, like their failed mascot. Yeah, hammer. Or like, or like, if you're you're in one of these aisles and you're like, I really need some help with this. Quick, call hammer made. She can help. <laughs> hammer made. She's talking to saw boy. <laughs> yeah, they have a whole like, yeah, like McDonald's esque like <laughs> slew of. Like, <laughs> you're like, can I just get some help from a person that works here? <laughs> the hammer burglar. They're just yeah. all hammers. <laughs> that's weird. You couldn't think of any other. Uh, like drill sergeant. <laughs> hey, that's. <laughs> I like that. Yeah, that's awful. I'm pretty sure I've seen that somewhere else. So finally, like Oyster Maid seemed like it had some potential because. Oysters have stuff you can do. Like we could have her retract into her into her oyster shell and like I don't know pearls or something. <laughs> That's about it, dude. <laughs> yeah. And, and then I liked this idea that she was a mermaid who acted as if she were underwater, but she's not. She's like online, right. but she hovers everywhere as if she were underwater. So I, oh. and I just like, that's cool. I don't need to explain that. To go back to SpongeBob, you've got that whole thing like with Sandy yeah. where she's underwater, but she has this little yeah. like, little safety yeah. bubble. And right. so the bottle that they live in is like a bubble underwater. Right. I think they do a little better job on SpongeBob of making that make some bit of sense. Well, they've had a, a staff and <laughs> yeah. and over a decade worth of yeah. time to to hammer that out, to hammer <laughs> yeah. made that out. See what I did there? I just uh, tied it back into your yeah, show. Yeah, that's a callback. Right it there. is. That right there. That right there is a callback, see? <laughs> More with Joe Rothenberg after this. 
We're back with Joe Rothenberg talking about the secret origins of Gumwad Island. Finally, like the most interesting idea was like to take the idea of a ship in a bottle, but make it a whole island in a bottle. Hmm. And then just, I was like, let's just put it at sea so it can be in water. And then maybe there could be conditions of that that change the island. Like they float toward something glacial and now you can have like snow themed. This is just a real collaborative process. Like the idea. It was a lot of back and forth. Yeah. yeah, The idea doesn't really keep a lot of its original integrity by the time it goes through the machine. From what I'm hearing. Well, in my experience, I I think think there's a lot of shows that don't have that happen. And, and, And keep in mind, this didn't come from like my like spark from above idea that I brought to them on the silver platter. This was them coming to me saying, pitch us some stuff. We'll curate it down. And again, the, the intent was to experiment with something that could have a strong interactive presence. And at this time, we were still trying to, th- I was racking my brain for like, how do you make this a meaningful interactive experience? Yeah. A mermaid who lives in an oyster in a bottle. How did that read as interactivity to them? I think we were all trying to find something that we didn't know what it was, you know, like, yeah. So, and I don't blame them for any lack of vision or anything. I think they were trying to experiment and I was too. And like, I think for me, what made it difficult was they, they really wanted something that would be an almost Minecraft-like playground for kids. Okay. And that's not really what I do. Like, right. Nerdy Workout was an arcade game and it's silly and fun. And, and I think they thought it was very Nickelodeon because like you're, you're working out and these monsters come by and try to eat your arms off. And then if one <laughs> arm gets eaten off, you can still work out with the other arm and try to get as many points <laughs> as you can until that one gets eaten. You know, it's like okay. silly. It's like... Yeah. And then I made another game called Nobody Said It Was Easy that was just, it was another arcade game. I like games that like find a point of tension and then like everything revolves around that. Yes. So, so that's not really like this creative world building experience. So they didn't really, it sounds like they didn't have a grasp on what you do before they tasked you with this task. I think so. At that time, that was around... I guess, like 2013, 2014, when indie games were still like this massive cultural thing. Sure. And everyone was, this conversation was on everyone's mind of like, how do you make games more narrative focused? And and, and I think that games have made ventures into various ways that they can have more meaningful stories since then. That's kind of been figured out. From concept, from a pitch, to storyboard, to then going into production, which I assume went overseas for work. Maybe no, it didn't. It was all in, it was all in house. I animated a lot of it myself with okay. a lot of. I, I was living in a house of animators at the time. Like, that sounds like Big Brother knockoff. <laughs> <laughs> like the B- Big Brother. The oh uh, oh yeah, we should have been filming that. Oh, yeah, we totally right. Should. Yeah. It was just my friends and me like animating this thing and it was really fun and probably harder than I was expecting to get it all pulled together. And I I did the thing I usually do where I made it too long. So they, they wanted like a two to three minute short. Mine's five minutes. Oh. And I think it really did need to be cut down more, but I didn't know how to do that at the time. Right. Like I, I was still learning. I think this shows that they have a lot of leeway when you're making these things. Because like they were like, we really don't want it to be that long. But they didn't say you can't make it that long. Okay, so it was was a preference. Right. Almost everything was that way. Like, it felt like the creativity was still up to me, and and, and they gave me a lot of trust, even though I was, like, very green. But if they had thoughts about how it should go, they would voice that. So if if you were really green, what was your foot in the door? How did you get to be the guy that gets to pitch an idea, that gets to become a cartoon? That's a good question. (laughs) (laughs) I, I think they like young talent. You know, I was right out of school. And I had done a pretty ambitious senior film 
the short ladies night with it was like a musical short and it was, it was like nine minutes long i animated it all myself and in, in like really four or five months was most of it and i really wanted to do like a musical it, it has very deliberately an unnecessary tap dance number in the middle that has nothing to do with the plot and like that's the know, best I, kind of tap dance number there is right it's got to be unnecessary sure like, so i was doing everything i wanted to do in that and, and so i think that was like okay this guy can make something he can finish it and he can he can polish it and then i think it was the game that was like okay and there's this other component to this person that gives him something kind of unique because up until the game came out you know i was pitching stuff but it wasn't really there wasn't really anything particular yeah i I wasn't like story savvy enough to pitch something that was really as defined as they needed it to be Hmm. the underpinnings of what kinds of stories are going to happen and like how is the audience going to relate to this in a way that makes them want to come back episode after episode okay that was the part that they were kind of teaching me when i was interacting with them but i didn't really know yet it's very interesting to see where where things start where the trail starts you know i'm i'm, I'm fascinated by that uh so then once the short got made that you got produced in-house in the united states all American. Yeah. All American animators, which is great. Got to work with great voice actors like John DiMaggio. Oh, and, okay, great. And, yeah. and, and even ones that we didn't choose to work with for the for the specific roles. It was amazing. I got to see the Nickelodeon casting process. And it's like a lineup of amazing people whose voices I've heard all my life just coming in the door, trying out, nailing the lines on the first take and then leaving. And you're like, I left with this choice. Oh, wow. <laughs> and so you so you had uh, Nickelodeon at your disposal to, to help that part become yes. a reality. That was the one time where it mattered that I was in Burbank because I got to go to the casting sessions and okay. see the amazing casting director they had there. Wow. This process. And, That's yeah. great. Yeah. So then the show aired or then the show got set on for a while? What was, how'd that go? It was sat on for a little bit. You know, I think they're trying to figure out what to do with it because, you know, the original plan of releasing it as this interactive experience kind of crumbled because we, we just didn't know what to do. So it, we ended up just making the short. And, you know, Facebook launched their video platform. And so Nickelodeon started using that as a great way to, a great yeah. way to get them out there. So it, it's it's officially released as, as a Nickelodeon animated short. But it, that's like a specific program that this wasn't originally part of. Okay. But it, that's where it ended up being released. And did they, and this is getting into the weeds, which I love doing, <laughs> did they buy the characters from you? Did you sign a contract that said, like, I no longer own Oyster Maid or I never owned Oyster Maid ever? I just was the guy that, like, helped push it forward? There's nothing draconian like that. Uh, okay. I, I, I have to be careful. I'm not sure ex- how detailed I can get sure. w- with the deal. You know, there's, it's not like there's anything secretive or anything, but... Although um, there is a man standing behind you right now... <laughs> Looking, <laughs> looking like he's going to smack you over the head. It's yeah. all up. He, he's, he's, he's got his hand on a lever that'll yeah. dump slime on me. Yes. <laughs> well, there's two levers. There's one that says slime and there's one that says ejector seat. So <laughs> you got to be careful. Yeah. I was specifically making something for them. They are not there to take credit away. Like they're trying to give credit where credit is due and give a fair deal and everything like that. But it's but, still their cartoon. Yes. Yeah. I think that's fair because... Oh, of course, because you had the power of a studio behind you to, to get everything off the they, ground. They're putting a lot of resources into it. And distribution, right? I mean, that wasn't something you would have been able to have done. To, no. the, couldn't get that voice talent. Couldn't get the amazing like sound team. A friend of mine who did the music for Ladies Night, they let me call him on to do the music for Oyster That's Night. awesome. Ryan, Ryan oh. O'Connell, who uh, everything he does like gives me goosebumps. Like, he's... 
he's fantastic. Well, that's yeah. great. So they let you bring in your own talent. That's, I mean, he's, that goes, and it's great for you that you looked out for someone, right? You could, you could have said, oh, bring on, bring on the best musicians in <laughs> yeah, the land. Get me. Yeah. yeah <laughs> get, chop, chop, bring me the best musicians you have. But no, but you went ahead and brought in somebody that, that yeah. you already respected and knew outside of the industry, or at least outside of that part of the industry. I think he's, he's since, or maybe even at the time, like he's, he's been involved in, in other shows and things like that. Oh, he's that's very great. Talented. Yeah. That's great. Well, good on you for that. So you would do it again is what you're saying. You would. Absolutely. I, yeah. I, I definitely would. And I think I would do it with more intent and, and maybe a bit more understanding of what goes into it. What really you need to bring to have an idea that's worth investing a lot of money into and like worth people coming back again and again to see. That's really what they're looking for. It's like, how is this show something that generates stories organically? What was your thing with Oyster Maid that you felt would bring people back? I don't know that I ever got there with Oyster Maid because I was oh. so I was so like kind of trying to figure out how to make it work mm-hmm. and it wasn't really a seed that I had thought of from the conception so it's like always kind of grafting something on there. I was thinking of like childhood relationships that like like my playmates as a kid were my cousins and this is my cousin. I thought you were gonna say they were oysters and like were two bananas. Oyster and a watermelon. <laughs> <laughs> like, and I'm just now making this connection. Yeah. And I'm- <laughs> And I was going to start backing away slowly, like, oh, it's all making <laughs> well, sense. get dude. out of my house. Yeah. <laughs> oh, your friends were food. <laughs> I, oh, the vegetable show makes yeah, sense my, now. Oh. My, my friend Chef Boyardee and my friend Mrs. Butterjoy. <laughs> <laughs> oh, wow. That mold that you let grow in the refrigerator all of a sudden has a personality. That's great. That's moldy. So you were saying my cousin Sherilyn was my age and still is. And <laughs> <laughs> thank you for that distinction. I don't know that we would have been able to mathematically work that out otherwise. And then uh, a couple of years younger is my 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 cousin Evan, who's her her brother. And we, in particular, we lived really close to each other and we played a lot. So I was thinking of those dynamics, you know, a little bit of like the, the age dynamic of being a couple of years older than one of your friends. And, and sure. You know, so, so I was trying to put that into the characters and have this adventure element where Oyster Maid is like trying to be a good person and help out people on the island. But she's like also kind of searching because she doesn't know where she came from. She's the only Oyster Maid. And I oh, she's the only Oyster Maid. She's the only Oyster Maid. Okay. And I liked the idea that she's also like... Okay, this is going a little deeper or darker for Nick Lodi, but like okay. the, the bottle is adrift at sea and she feels a little bit adrift and like she she oh. like sleeps on the beach because like her home is her shell. So she's kind of always got that with her. So a lot of times she's like looking up at the stars at night and like right. wondering what her place is. And that's why like she's a sleeping so... Bag. Yeah, right. Yeah, yeah. She's basically, and she she has you know her friendship with with Water Melvin. She has a lot of good relationships on the island with with the other creatures there. Everyone really likes her because she's you know so sweet and helpful sure. and, and adventurous. But like part of that is motivated by her trying to figure out who she is. So the deeper stuff comes from the interpersonal relationships of the characters, not so much the exterior that we're yeah. seeing. You know what I mean? Because I almost yes. feel like. We all see that coat of paint, and as an audience, we're judging it by the coat of paint. Mm. You know what I mean? We're not seeing it and going, oh, look at the character relationships. We're, th- we're going like, what, uh, an oyster that is, right, a, mer- right. is a mermaid and, and a watermelon is her friend? Like, that, <laughs> right, that's, that's all that's we're... so random. Yeah, yeah. We're, that's all we're seeing. We're not seeing all this other stuff. So, that, <laughs> But that's cool that you look that far into it. 
Yeah, and, and by the way, I don't think any of that made it into the pilot. We were, oh. we were just trying so hard just to make I was a feeling... pilot that made sense. I know, I... We're, we're getting all existential about this show that that has moments full of sight gags. And, right. And, right. We, we didn't really, I mean, we couldn't get to that. There was, so, there was so much we had to, like, check off the list that I think was valid. Like, they were, they were trying to push us to make sure we could show the inside of her shell. And uh, show their relationship, show how an adventure would go. Right. And, I, and I, I, I think they are right to do that. I think they're right to put a show through the paces right from the beginning. Because you, not only are you, do you have to prove to the executives that you can make a show, you have to prove to the audience. So for a successful pilot, before you can get to the, the nitty gritty, the meat, right, that, that makes a show more deeper, mm-hmm. you got to kind of pull all the stops in that pilot, right? You got right. to establish all the, the beats, Yes, right. The beat and, and the beats that are going to become familiar and expanded upon if it were to become a larger show. Or okay, so that's probably why pilots feel very bullet pointy. Oh yeah, I think a, a big takeaway for me from Oyster Made was that I made the world so weird that it was just hard to explain how it worked. Right, and so instead of being able to rely on just like an establishing shot that shows you a lot. Sure, like and, like The Simpsons has the wonderful establishing opening credits where you just get the, shows you the whole the city. whole town, yeah, right. And I and I was trying to cling to this idea that the island could be anything we wanted it to be, and and that it was like sort of shape shifty and weird because it is like a weird and ethereal, and like stuff's coming in and stuff's going out, and sure, and that's just hard to explain. It's hard to make relatable stories when you do that when you make something so weird, right? When it's just like an oyster person who lives on the beach and like. What does her normal routine look like? You know, th- th- these are things that are explained in SpongeBob very quickly. You know, he lives lives in a pineapple under the sea. Right, it's, but it's in like the theme song, and that's weird, but not too weird because he's still like it's his house, and he's in a neighborhood, and he right. goes to work, and like he goes to boating school. It's like that's where the weird stuff happens because there's an ocean under the ocean. <laughs> <laughs> right, yeah. The he goes to the beach, right? He goes to the beach. Where there's but, water, but, but they're underwater. Yeah, but that's fun because sure. it's like, it's fun to see how they solve those things and how it relates to our world. Sure. You know, so I learned that you kind of, especially on a TV show where you don't have a lot of time to tell stories or a pilot, you need a world that, that people can like find a, a something relatable to, right? You need an anchor. You need an anchor, yes. <laughs> to keep a nautical theme going. Put, yeah, <laughs> that island needed I think it did have an anchor on the underside. Oh, I didn't even get to the underside. Oh. There's like a dark side to the island. Under the water, it flips. And like you go around, and it's upside down. This was before Stranger Things. And <laughs> and, and like everything down there is like kind of creepy. And there's like oh, cool. eels and pirates and like all sorts of creepy stuff. So there's a lot of potential it just it just didn't get a chance to get explored. Right. Is there a chance that we could revisit her? Do you think Nickelodeon if I really got into it, I could pitch something to them again. I I could pro- possibly even pitch elsewhere. But I mean it would be it would they, it would have to work out with everyone including Nickelodeon as a, as a party to that. They're not like the man or anything like <laughs> like, like I, I don't think i don't think that idea of okay i i don't think that holds like, i mean i don't know i can just if you know i can talk to you know i have a relationship with people there and i can just like talk yeah. to them. and they're they're just, they're people trying to make cool cartoons like right. it's not like people trying to get a stranglehold on you know that, that's not I mean, that's but that that's for, not really like sure how it is like and it, for my from what you've experience, experienced, yeah. but I mean, there are there are stories though that people not not with Nickelodeon. I'm just mean there in general are, in the industry. Sure, there are industry yeah, stories yeah. where people get an iron grip on something, yeah. and it's like you cannot yeah. do anything with it. So, what are you working on now? And if someone wants to support Joe Rothenberg, the animator, 
How do they do that? So there's an app I've been working on for many years. Ping Missile Tennis. Yes, it's like Pong, but with missiles. It's like Pong, but it's Ping. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah, I, when I first conceived of this in like 2011, I was like, you know, 20, 21 years old. I thought that was genius. So, all right. So, so, it, it, so now uh, we all know how young you are. Yeah, and let's edit that out. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Anyway, yeah, so that, that's going to be on the App Store. My other two apps are currently, like, derelict. The, the games are the hardest thing for me to keep up because they're very fun to make, but sure. they don't make me any money, really. So, you know, when these games get back on the App Store, if you, if you can spend money on them, that, that's a great way to support me. Okay. They're great games. They're a lot of fun, especially, like, nobody said it was easy is the one that I would like to, I'd like more people to try. Which apps are out there right now? The only one I'm sure of is, is my sticker app, Grumpley. Oh, the penguin, which I, which I think I've sent you some, and maybe you didn't know that they were. Well, I, I didn't know people yeah. with no explanation. No, you have. I it's didn't this know they were angry-looking penguin. Yeah, kind of looks like an owl. Yes, I'm going to be releasing a pig version of him soon. The games are going to be out soon, as I gradually am able to check the boxes and get them on the app store again. So okay, keep an eye out for those over the next few months. Animation-wise, you know, right now I'm 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 doing client work and things like that. So if you have a really big business that needs animation that <laughs> you can support me. So, what, so what's the website they can go to? JoeRothenberg.com. Okay. That's J-O-E-R-O-T-H-E-N-B-E-R-G.com. No use. Okay. Um, no and, use, but the, just me's. <laughs> <laughs> hey, I should do that. Should. <laughs> um, uh, JoeRothenberg.com. No use, just, just me's. me's. <laughs> That's a great. I don't know what the marketing message is. <laughs> you can you can go on there. Uh, the videos page has like all of the videos. A lot of the work that I do t- is funny. So go on there and have have a little fun. And we also, can, we can has, see Oyster Made there. Yes, Oyster Made. There's a link to Oyster Made. There's um, some of my favorite commercials I've made. I made one for Linz Crafters that, that I always like to nice. show people, and one for a German fish stick company called Iglo. And then uh, on my site too, there's there's Joe's Place, which is my weird attempt at my own little like Netflix or something. There you can play. Nobody said it was easy for free, um, and see some of my cartoons. And like I'm trying to build that up into like a place where I just put my most entertainment oriented stuff. Okay, well that's that's all great. Well, I mean, yeah. And, and do you are you involved on social media? Do people yes can, can they reach you somewhere? Yes, I'm on Instagram at JoeTatoChips, J-O-E-T-A-T-O Chips. <laughs> All right, great. Well, dude, Joe, honestly, this has been something we've been looking forward to. Yes, I've been looking forward me to. Me too. Uh, for a long time, I really do wish you all the best with all of your projects, your apps, animation. Uh, of course, I want to have you back as a guest on the show in the future. So yeah, I'm I am so down. Cool, you know I am. Well, I, yes, yes, and let me you know this already, but let me just say it on the podcast. That I love yeah. I love this podcast. Oh. I love what you're doing, and I and I really want more people to to hear this. I want I, I feel like. The interviews that you're cataloging with, with like industry greats, not including me, <laughs> but like the, the, you know, some of these is people I've never heard from before, and and just like there's some real treasures that that are being preserved here, and I really, really am happy that you're doing it. Well, that is very much appreciated, and those are the goals I set out to uh, to achieve is is to bring people something that is archival and something they haven't heard before. So uh, yeah, uh, I'm I'm happy doing that. It. Thank you. I'm happy that it's reaching people. So thank you for that. Joe, thanks again, and and we'll see you online, right? Yeah, see you online. All right, bye.
That musical selection was from the end credits of Gumwad Island and was composed by Ryan O'Connell. Ryan has since gone on to compose for several live-action shorts. Alrighty, that's it for this episode. Special thanks go out once again to Joe Rothenberg for joining us here on the show. And of course, thank you so much for listening in at home. For more Stay Tuned, head on over to patreon.com forward slash filmaki. Subscribing there will get you access to cool rewards like exclusive interview outtakes, my cartoon reviews, and monthly video updates. If you're curious about my own cartoon creations, check out my original comic books at RetailSunshine.com. You can even reach out to me on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook under the handles of both Retail Sunshine and Phil Maki. I also hope you'll consider joining the amazing Stay Tuned community on Facebook. Visit Facebook.com forward slash groups forward slash Stay Tuners. I've been Phil Maki, you've been a wonderful audience, and until next time, keep those eyeballs peeled, those ears open, and be sure to stay tuned. <laughs>